Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. This week might not look it from the team or the record, but this remind it's got to remind you a lot of the ECU game, and we'll explain why. Welcome back to Charge On. As always, I am your host, Sean Green. Nick Geddes is not on with us today, but Robert Husby is. Robert, you weren't here with us. You weren't with us for the Cincinnati game. You weren't on the pod. You were taking a little sleep. It was a long day for you. Tell us your thoughts on the Cincy game. Kind of, yeah, just give your thoughts and how it made you feel as a UCF fan. Yeah, you know what? Sometimes watching football just tires you out, especially after after a big dub like that, right? So, no, I mean, bummed I couldn't be on for, for the post, uh, post-game post reaction uh, that night. But, no, definitely happy to be back with you, Sean. Um, feeling good. Feeling good. Um I think UCF's in a really good place right now. We knew going into the Cincinnati game that we were going to be very, very excited or very, very bummed after that game. Um, And I think all of us are very, very excited. I mean, UCF's getting the recognition around the country again as a top program. We're getting the recognition as, you know, a team that's a force to be reckoned with this season. I mean, obviously we have two disappointing losses, but I mean, the sky's the limit with this team and very, very much in play for an AAC championship on their way to the Big 12 next year. It's in play. And like we said last week in the preview pod, right? We were saying you, it's a must win. We, we titled the episode must win versus Cincy because it was. You lose to Cincinnati and your season looks a lot more bleak. You're, you're playing for a bowl game. At that point, you'd have two conference losses. And realistically, the top teams, you know, you, you have your Tulane, your Cincy. They would only have, at that point, zero or one. So it was looking bleak for UCF. Now we control our destiny, right? Since he doesn't control theirs, it's up to us. You're going to be playing Tulane, right? You're going to Tulane after this game. And if you win that game, it's pretty much a lock, almost a lock, that you're going to play in a conference title game. Now, again, a lot more things need to happen for that to happen, but uh, it, it's a huge thing for the program, and we'll see how it plays out. It, it's truly going to be interesting. Um, but Rob, did you know basketball's back? I know we've already mentioned that, but we've been tuning into the magic, and it's been breaking <laughs> our hearts a little bit. But <laughs> basketball's back, right? Yeah, for another another week where the magic don't know the season's back. Yeah, uh, hopefully more wins can come. But guys, basketball is back. And Bet Online, as always, remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. 
It's always the fastest and easiest ways to bet all your favorite sports. Hey, like your UCF Knights this weekend. Um, And events, whether that's NFL, college football, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Make sure to use promo code BELIEVE to receive your rewards. As always, guys, it's B-L-E-A-V to receive your rewards. BetOnline, where the game starts. As always, we want to thank BetOnline for the continued support on the Charge On podcast. Rob, let's get into Memphis, okay? Like, listen, we I, we kind of talk a little bit. We always talk before the podcast. And I said, this game, for me, and I think for a lot of UCF fans, probably feels very similar to ECU. Not as concerned with the talent. I think we can all agree ECU has more talent on both sides of the football. But, as a team... UCF now, and we'll talk about it, you know, a little bit later on. We ranked, or we could talk about now really quickly before we get into Memphis, tease you guys a little bit more. UCF, first time since 2018, ranked first, well, in the college football playoff ranked, but they got ranked in the AP number 25, and I I didn't know if we were going to get ranked in the college football playoff rankings. I kind of assumed we wouldn't, but we were, so good for us. But I think let's just speak to you know Gus, and I think the way he's building the program out, and I think we're getting more respect in the sense, listen, we got blown out a week prior, and a win against Cincy brought us right back into the top 25. So I think there is respect from the voters a little bit there, and Gus is building it the right way, and it's showing with recruits, it's showing with the players, um, and I think it's just a good thing all around for the program that if you keep winning – you're you're going to be ranked at some point. Yeah, and I think I think you look at it, and it might not just be the Cincy, the Cincy victory. I think that's definitely the majority of it. Is I think the AP poll and and even the college football playoff poll looks at Cincinnati as still this you know big time AAC program and absolutely worthy of of being ranked if you beat them. Um, but no, I definitely agree. I, I think we were, I mean, we've talked off air where we're like, there's no way UCF, even if they beat Cincinnati is going to get ranked, they're going to get more votes. But I didn't think we were going to be ranked in the top 25 at all uh, after beating Cincy. Um, so definitely very, very surprising, very happy that happened. Um, but maybe that just goes to show you, they respect, you know, ECU a lot. I mean, again, ECU is not a world beater, but they're a solid team with a solid defense and a, good quarterback and a good offense. I mean, maybe there's more respect there. Maybe there was respect for Louisville beating top 10 Wake Forest. You know, that could have helped as well. Maybe that's now a quality win for UCF or a quality loss for UCF as, you know, a lot of the SEC and Big Ten teams get. But no, I think absolutely it's it's pretty impressive that UCF was able to get ranked after beating Cincinnati. I think it just shows the deep respect that the college football playoff has for UCF right now and has for, you know, the other big programs in the AAC like Cincinnati. And I think you brought up a good point, Rob. I think it does help that the the committee clearly has a love for Cincinnati. They have the last couple years, and they were. They were a dominant team last year. All the respect in the world to them, they killed it last year. But we've been saying, or I've really been saying, and you agreed with me, that since he's not the same team, but that's given, right? They lost a bunch of players to the draft. They're not the same. They don't pass the eye test. And I said, I thought they stunk. And I thought UCF matched up really well. But in the eyes of the college football playoff voters, they viewed that win as a a huge win. And it was, right? It's a huge win. 
and UCF dominated, dominated Cincinnati. The score won't tell you that, but they dominated them. So who knows? If UCF keeps winning, I mean, I think Tulane's like 19th right now. So 18th or 19th. 18th, 19th. So, I mean, who knows? Again, we talk about this. Everything for this team is ahead of them. Everything's ahead of them. They win out. They could be ranked top 15 team in the country. You have no idea what can happen, but you got to take it game by game. We aren't looking ahead anymore. Memphis week is here. Let's talk about Memphis. Now we'll talk about Memphis. Um, listen, three straight losses for Memphis. They for uh, Houston, ECU, Tulane, they've lost three straight. But that's not really what the tape shows. And the record will tell you four and four. This football team could easily be a six and two, seven and one football team. I mean, they lost to Mississippi State in the first game, Rob. It was a complete blowout. They had no chance in hell. You get wins versus Navy, Arkansas State, and North Texas and Temple. All now, granted, defense gave up a lot of points in some of those games. Only held Navy to 13 and Temple to 3. So those were two games. But against North Texas and Arkansas State, you gave up 32 and 34 respectively, right? So defense can be up and down, right? Um, they're ranked 90, or is that right? I did 97th in total defense. I did all, I wrote all of their rankings. That's not very good, Rob. 97th in total defense is not very good. No, uh, not, not great in at the all. Country. No. Um, but the last three games, and this is, why I don't want UCF fans, and listen, UCF fans can be smart at most times when they're looking at opponents. Sometimes they can be naive, again, like ECU, we're thinking, say, a 50-point victory, and we ended up getting blown out. They only lost to Houston by one, and they gave up the game. I mean, everybody saw that game. Houston was losing, I think, 17 in the fourth. They gave up that game. ECU, I think they went to four overtimes. They lost by two. Tulane, they lost by 10. They're coming off a bye week. They got their players healthy. Team's a 4-4 four and four football team, but listen, they don't go away. This is a team that fights. They fight for their coach, and they're not a pushover. And you can't look at the game last year, which was a 24-7 victory against Memphis at home. You can't view that game and say, oh, this is going to be an easy win. Because then, again, we could pull the ECU test and say, oh, we beat them 20-16 to at home last year. This team needs to prove it on the road, Rob. So let's talk about Memphis's defense first before we talk about their offense. Because, again, we love talking de- defense here on Charge On. Defense, like we said, they're 97th in the country. That is very bad. Uh, I don't know. There's only 120-something you know, schools ranked in this in the NCAA FBS, and they're 97th. Um, red zone defense, they're tied for 52nd. So not terrible, um, but not great. Third down defense, they're not good. They're 107th on third down defense. That's a credit. That's going to be great for UCF, who's 21st in third down conversion rate. Um, Rushing defense, not bad. They're 49th. Um, But again, I think when we look at the games, it's very evident the defense is not amazing. I mean, you've got a couple players, and we'll talk about those players, players in a second. But the defense is not good, Rob. As Again, as a UCF offense who's looking like it's going to be Mikey Keene. I mean, nothing has been coming out. Gus said day-by-day day for JRP, but again, with the Tua situation, I don't think schools or teams are going to throw out a quarterback after getting knocked out that bad. It's going to be Mikey Keene this week, most likely. 
who last year didn't perform. Like, he made some good throws last year against this Memphis defense, but he was only 11 of 19 for 63 yards. It's not like he lit them up. Now they rushed on the team, but as a UCF offense, just lost your starter, now brought in your starter from last year, what needs to be the mindset, right, to make sure there's not a lapse this week and to kind of stay consistent and say, we just moved the ball down the field on Cincinnati every single play. How do they make sure there's no let off against a defense that has been known to not be really good this season? Well, that's where you get into the discussion of trap game, right? Is where you're getting into this and you can't take your opponent lightly. Yeah, they obviously do give up a lot of points and they don't have a great defense overall, but you don't want to just take it for granted and, and go three and out, you know, four and out on, on certain drives and be like, ah, we're okay with that. We're okay with that because that can cost you. One thing I think Memphis has proven all season long is that they can hang. Um, they're not afraid to get in a shootout. You know, they've blown some leads, but they're able to compete in a shootout. They, again, they lost by 10 to Tulane. They're able to put up 40 points, over 30 points, you know, on some of these other AAC schools. So I think what the one thing is, you know, for the for UCF's offense, it's keep that mindset of we can drive the ball. We drove the ball on a great Cincinnati. Well, I, I don't know if I'll say great Cincinnati defense, but above average. I was about to say, yeah, above average Cincinnati defense still. Uh, still a very good defense. Um, they drove all over them. They threw all over them. And, and Mikey led an incredible game-winning drive against Cincinnati uh, when JRP struggled a little bit. But I think the mindset has to be that, yes, you can beat this defense. You've done it against better defenses. But also, don't let your foot off the gas. you got to go for the kill. You can't just say – you can't let them hang around, I think, is is the point I'm trying to make because they're not yep. afraid to get into shootouts offensively. So – and they have the talent to do it. I mean, they have you know a pretty balanced offense, both running and uh, receiving, and they have a, a, a solid quarterback. So I think ultimately UCF doesn't want to get in a shootout with Memphis because you know that's going to make it a little bit too co- close for comfort. But it's it's scoring on those drives, getting field goals, getting touchdowns. That's what you need on this Memphis defense because if you can get them trailing, I think this is absolutely a winnable game. Let's talk about Mikey Keene because I didn't get to talk. Um, to you about your kind of thought process. Me and Nick, we were there live, and we kind of just watched, and you could probably see it on the TV too, but the way Mikey kind of handled himself in the situation last week, nothing short of remarkable. I mean, kid was ready, he was poised, stood in the pocket, made legit dimes, and me and Nick after the game said, listen, JRP does bring that extra different scheme to your offense. I mean, he can just do different things with the football. But anybody in that stadium or watching the game could tell you that we knew what Mikey was. Mikey is deadly accurate with the football. He's not going to make many mistakes. If something's not there, he's getting rid of it. And he showed that. So what is your take? Now, obviously, again, we, we were saying prayers for JRP. Like, we hope he's okay. I know he is. Like, you know, we saw him in the post game. He was lifting Mikey up like a great teammate in great locker room um, for this UCF team. But if JRP's healthy, the question is now, again, it's all up to this Memphis game, right? If Mikey puts up a stinker, then maybe we're living in the pri- – we're a prisoner of the moment, right? But if Mikey goes out and performs well, do you bring JRP back when healthy? 
what is your take on that? Me and Nick were saying we agree. I think if Mikey has a good game against Memphis, he probably should stick in because at that point this team is rolling, and you don't want to change up a team that's rolling. But at the same time, Gus, there was a reason he went with JRP. He wants to run a specific offense. What is your take? Do you think if if there's a good performance against this Memphis defense, do you think Mikey should continue being the starter moving forward? Yeah, I mean, personally, if Mikey, I mean, obviously that drive is a microcosm of the entire game. It's not a full four quarters of football that Mikey put up. But if that's what we can see out of Mikey, you know, in his in his second year here, I mean, I, I was not one of the, I kind of went back and forth on Mikey last year. I mean, he got kind of thrown to the wolves. Nobody expected him to be the starter last year after Dylan Gabriel got hurt. Nobody expected a true freshman who didn't really have a, a training or anything over the summer to and over the spring to to get acclimated to the offense. I don't think, you know, I don't think that was Mikey Keene at his best. Now he's had time to digest the playbook, digest Gus's offense, all of the offensive playmaking that you know, goes into a Gus Malzahn style offense. And I think Mikey looks comfortable. He looks, you know, now he's kind of the veteran quarterback of the team. Uh, so that's the guy that you're looking to for leadership. And I think absolutely if, if Mikey is, you know, going out against Memphis and has a great game, you know, throws for a lot of yardage, throws some touchdowns. Absolutely. I think football more than almost any other sport is um, a great case for riding the hot hand. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like baseball. You get hot at the right time. You got to kind of stick with what's working. So I think for Mikey Keene, if he comes out, has an absolutely stellar performance against Memphis, doesn't make a lot of mistakes. I think you ride the hot hand. Now, is that what Gus Malzahn and company are going to do? I don't know, because I still think John Rice is Gus's guy. There's a reason he went with him over the summer, um, you know, over Mikey going into the season. Uh, but that's for Gus's, Gus's decision to make. Me personally, I think I'd agree with you and Nick where if Mikey has another great performance and, and plays a full, phenomenal four quarters of football, I think you can make the switch to Mikey against Tulane. And here's a, a thought that I, I kind of thought about um, before we recorded this. And over the last couple of days, right, was Gus was protecting Mikey's red shirt. There, there was no question, right? He Clearly there was a conversation where, listen, I'm here for you. I'm not leaving. I'm here for the season. But just protect my red shirt. I want to make sure that I can go to another school and, you know, have the three years of eligibility to play. What if, like, what if, right, JRP and Mike are both healthy? And Gus sticks to that promise. And Mikey's like, listen, I don't want, like, that's my thought process, right? Because I think we both know, and we're both my thought process is, regardless, if you start Mikey for the rest of the season, and I might be wrong on this, and you know, I'd love to hear your guys' feedback in the comments. But if Mikey, let's just say, what if? Let's talk a, a charge on what if for you, okay? Mikey goes out, he starts the rest of the year, leads UCF to a conference title, and hell, maybe even a New Year's Six bowl game. I still don't think next year he's your starter. Not because I don't think he earns it, but I think Gus Malzahn wants to run a specific offense. You got Tommy Castellano sitting in the wings. I think JRP has one more year, but you have JRP right there. I don't. I think Gus will stick to it and say, listen, we're going to make sure that Mikey gets his red shirt and that he can go to a school because we respect him. But I don't know, Rob. I think that's a question that I don't want to get too ahead on. But 
that's my thought process. Now, again, he could put up a stinker against Memphis, and then we're like, okay, like, <laughs> yeah, then the conversation it, totally changes. It totally changes. But I've seen enough of Mikey, and I was a Mikey supporter. Now, you like last year, we have a couple friends that did not like Mikey at all, and I always said like, if you remember before we signed him. QB Mikey. We're like, we can't wait for this guy to come. We didn't expect him to come in, but I was a, uh, I've been a Mikey supporter. The question is, he led this team last year, being out for so long, and now just winning a big game. Can he continue to do it? And I mean, we'll see. If he does perform well, if I'm Gus, no, I can't take him out. But I also don't know what the situation is. I have no idea if the, the pro, if he goes to Mikey and Mikey's like, yeah, I'm still going to transfer, like, JRP's healthy, play him. I don't know what that conversation is. So it's hard. We can't speculate. It's all, at this point, just speculation. We don't even know if Mikey's going to play this week, but we're just assuming. Um. All right, let's talk a little bit about some of their defensive players. All these guys have played last uh, the last game pretty much um, against us last year. Xavier uh, Collins is a linebacker. He's basically their number one guy, leading tackler. Um, two interceptions. As a linebacker, that's pretty great. Um, the one guy that maybe – he's on the D-line, Carmonte Hamilton. Four and a half sacks. He's their leading sack – he's their sack leader. Again, I mean – the O-line has improved, Rob. There's no question. The last week they had their best game, right? The same question kind of I asked you before. As an O-line who has had their ups and downs, right? It's a bunch of transfers on the line. You know, you're you're trying to figure out your identity as an offensive line, and clearly it's been rushing the football. If it is, Mikey, how do you make sure you keep that pocket clean? And is it easier if I is it easier when you don't have a running quarterback where it's a, just a pocket passer and you're protecting him in the pocket? Does that make it easier for this offensive line? Yeah, no, I mean that's a great question. I think I think it definitely can. It can help. I mean, you obviously have to make the offensive line playbook around centered around a quarterback like that, and you got to change your style from mobile quarterback to a guy that's just going to sit back and you know wait for the pocket to to open, wait for receivers to open and just, you know, sit tight in the pocket. Um, But no, absolutely. I think it might be a little bit easier for UCF's offense. But like you said, I mean, they had a great game last week against arguably the best defense they've played all season long. And just the week before that, they pretty much struggled with ECU and they've struggled with inferior opponents as well. So, I mean, as much as we've talked about how inconsistent UCF's offense has been this season, I mean, a big part of that has been the inconsistency of the offensive line. I mean, it was just, what, one week or two weeks, and it was the Louisville game where we just talked about how many penalties they took, and it's got to improve, and it's terrible, and what are they doing out there? And they've been, you know, up and down ever since. But I think if they can get it done against Cincinnati, I don't see why they can't get it done against Memphis. I mean, again, Memphis has a good D-line, but... No, I mean, it It might make it a little bit easier. I think that's a great point. I think it might make it a little bit easier if, you know, UCF doesn't have a guy that's going to be rushing out of the pocket and you got to throw a block for him, right? You got to open up those those lanes for him to run and get and scramble out of the pocket. Um, you know, I think if you have a guy like Mikey, who you know is going to sit back most of the time, I think that can help absolutely a lot. So, you know, they can throw blocks and make sure that, the defensive line doesn't get to the quarterback and put a lot of pressure on Mikey if he's our starter, of course. Yeah, which again, I I'd be shocked if we saw JRP 
that's why I'm I'm in my and Gus will not. Let's be real here, guys. Gus is not naming a quarterback. It's Thursday. You'll find out. Problem. You'll find out tomorrow. Like you'll find out in the depth chart release who the starter is. He's not going to give Memphis any extra prep time to focus on the one quarterback. He wants Memphis. Nor should he. Exactly. I mean, keep it close to your vest. Say day by day, every day. I mean, it doesn't matter. And that's what he's been saying. And, um, we, know, and we know what Gus, not to cut you off, Sean, sorry, but yeah, I mean, we we know what Gus does since he's gotten here. Gus and his regime are very tight-lipped. So you're not, you're not going to get much out of him. Oh, I mean, let's just think about this. Amari Johnson. I mean, we thought he was going to be a huge part of this offense. Find out he gets an injury. And we haven't seen him. I mean, he's been Mm-mm. hurt, but we were assuming the way he was talking, like, oh, he'll be back soon. I'm thinking, oh, he's gonna be back in a couple weeks. No, he's still he's still on the <laughs> sideline, hurt. So I'm like, okay, like we don't know what to expect. Um, which good on good on them. I mean, you can never guess who's gonna play, which is great. Um, a couple more players, Quindell Johnson, DB. He's the number one DB. Fifty two tackles, three interceptions. Played last year versus UCF. Really impressed. He's a fast corner he he's really physical um so UCF has to look out for him especially if you're throwing the football a lot and then Jalen Allen didn't play great against us last year I think he laid a couple tackles uh, but he's really improved this season 43 tackles so those are two other guys um, on defense that we have to look out for if you're UCF let's go to their offense now this is again defense coming off of a monster game no ifs, ands, or buts about it. 35 rushing yards was pretty much less than that, but you can't play any better than what they did. They made Cincy one-dimensional, stopped the run, forced them to pass it 46 times. They played incredible. Every person on the defense. This week, you've got, if anything, I would say, Rob, a very similar kind of offense. I mean, Seth Hennigan who's their quarterback of Memphis, I wouldn't say is an exact carbon copy of Ben Bryant because I think Seth can get out of the pocket a little bit more and pick up yards on his feet. He's not that type of guy now. It's not like he's a dual threat where you're f- afraid of him running. But I'll say this. He was the reading, leading rusher against Tulane. So you have to attr- account for his running ability. But he's a lot more like Ben Bryant where he's accurate to football, 65% completion percentage. 15 touchdowns, 5 picks. So it's not like he's turning over the ball a lot for this offense. And he's got 2,200 yards passing. So not a bad quarterback. And again, this is why it's like I'm very reminded. It's a lot like Holton Aylers. Holton's not turning over the ball. Getting the ball in the end zone. So that scares me. Let's talk. You mentioned it earlier, and now we talk about it. Memphis is very... You, they have a lot of guys. You don't have a number one on your as your running back. You don't have an RB one, and you don't really have a wide receiver one. It is all very stacked. And as a UCF, if I'm Travis Williams, I mean, is it? I'll ask you. If I'm Travis Williams, Rob, is it better to have a number one guy like, for instance, like ECU? Right, you're playing CJ Johnson. You're having to just focus on CJ, and you can double him and then say, let everybody else beat us. Is it worse to have to, as a defense, focus on, you know, four average, and I'm no disrespect, but four average guys that are just, you know, they get the job done and they're level and, you know, they're talented, but they're not a RB1, 
Or would you rather have one guy that you have to focus on and kind of just shut down that one guy? No, I mean, at least on in theory, I think you'd rather have the, you know, I think you'd rather have um, the one standout guy to defend against other than, you know, four average guys. I mean, that's always kind of like been sort of a riddle, right? Like what's, what's better this, you know, one big massive thing or four little things put together. I mean, that's kind of, that's kind of the argument, right? I think, I think for, um, UCS purposes, I mean, I think they would absolutely rather defend against one, you know, sort of big name guy. Cause you can, you know, there's a lot of schemes you can run, you can double up on them. You can put your best corner on them. You can, you know, really play, play to them. Cause you know, there's one standout guy. You're like, okay, we're on high alert for them. But I mean, the downside of that is also by putting so much attention and even sometimes doubling up on one particular guy that opens up other receivers you know, maybe they're not as good a quality as that one receiver, but if they're open, they're open and they can catch. So that's the one downside from, you know, defending against one really, really big guy. Um, but having the four average guys, I think, you know, it can be hell to defend against that too. Um, I mean, you can have your hands full very easily because if there's not one particular guy you're aiming at, well, now you got four guys that, you know, are going to be going up against your corners and going up against your safeties. And they're, you know, they can absolutely put pressure on you and they can catch. And I think that's what Memphis has shown all season long. Their style of offense has worked. They have a good offense, certainly a better offense than they do a defense. They're an offensive team and they can put up points. They can put up points. So that's one thing UCF's defense has been very good at this season is we don't, I mean, besides like the ECU game, we don't allow a ton of points and we don't allow a lot of stuff inside of the red zone. Um, Memphis does. Memphis gets a lot in the red zone. They get things done. So that's where you kind of get this mindset of, uh, you know, immovable force versus uh, well, what's the term? Immovable object versus unstoppable force. That's the, that's go. the time I was looking for one of my old, one of my old man terms. That's what I was looking for. Uh, but no, that's what it comes to is you come to a great offense in the red zone versus a great defense in the red zone. And that's where it comes push to pull. And I think for UCF, they're going to have to focus on, you know, a bunch of guys put together, a bunch of running backs put together, a bunch of wide receivers put together. And you're going to have to focus on a lot of guys and you're going to have to hope that you can shut down a pretty potent offense. Yeah, and let me get it straight. I don't think any of you like. I don't want to just say they're average, right? Because, and I know I I did say that, and I take it back a a bit because <laughs> if anything, again, it's like what's the problem with UCF's? If if I'm scheming against UCF, what am I afraid of? You've got talented players all over the field, and there's like okay, if you're getting O'Keefe, well, guess what? Hudson's open, or you know, Javon Baker's open, and then the running backs. I mean, you've got a three headed horse, so. Memphis has kind of built their system kind of, and I don't want to say UCF, but they've got guys that you can use in different situations, and they've built their football team the way it's supposed to be built. Now, are the guys as talented as UCF? No, not even close. It's apparent. But let's go over some of these players so that you can know, because again, it's with some of these teams, we just don't know who they are. We don't watch a lot. I've watched a couple Memphis games, but I had to do some research to really watch these guys and see how they they play. Uh, Asa Martin, and I'm going to read you the yards difference because that's that's crucial. That just shows you how close they are in, in their usage and how Memphis has been using them this season. So Asa Martin, Javion Ducker, and Brandon Thomas. Those are kind of the three-headed horse at running back. 
Asa Martin has 282 yards. Javion Ducker has 264, and Brandon Thomas has 233. In the attempts, Brandon Thomas has 67, Javion Ducker has 59, and Asa Martin has 47. So, very close. Now, the guy that they like to give it to in the red area is Brandon Thomas. He has eight touchdowns on the year. That's the guy that, if, if I'm UCF and I'm Travis Williams, that's the guy in the red zone. If they're running the ball, that's probably the guy they're, they're going to. Um, the other guys have two touchdowns and three touchdowns. So, he's the main guy. Seth, um, Seth Hennigan, he can run in the red zone. He's got three red zone rushing touchdowns or rushing touchdowns on the year. So that's something to look forward to as well. Their red zone offense is seventh in the country, guys. I mean, if you go look at the red zone offense for a lot of these teams, Navy, I think, is number one in red zone offense, I think. I have to, I'm pretty sure ECU is up in that top 10 of red zone offense. We've struggled against those teams. And we're playing another one this week that when it gets into the red zone, they usually score. Now, we have had the, the – our defense has been great in the red zone. We're first in red zone defense. And like you said, you're going to have a defense and offense, an offense that's really good in the red zone, a defense that's really good in the red zone, clashing. Um, and receiving, again, Rob, you've got – a bunch of receivers. There's one receiver that makes me more scared than the others. Not because he's more talented, but you got Joseph Skates. Joseph Skates, he only has 12 receptions on the year, Rob. Only 12. But 316 yards and three touchdowns. He's there, quick, speedy, deep ball. Get him out in open space, and he's going to make plays. Um, Caden Pricecorn is their tight end. 31 receptions, 378 yards, and six touchdowns. Big, lengthy tight end. I was nervous about Josh Wiley last week. This is a guy that, again, you need to make sure you know where the tight end is. Justin Hodges, that's looking like his assignment, or Devon Wilson, whoever you're going to put on him. Um, but big, lengthy tight end. Um, and Memphis, I, I hate their tight ends. It's always, I, it, I don't know what it is. Even when we played them in the years past, you get these big tight ends that, they just get rack. They catch the balls. It's ridiculous. Um, you got a couple more. Eddie uh, Eddie Le- Lewis and Gabriel Rogers. Um, they also got Javen Ivory, who's, you know, he hasn't been performing as well. But, they- dude, let me just read you the yards. 378, 342, 318, 316, 308. I mean, all of them are right there. So, you have, like, everybody on the defense has to be on their P's and Q's. Uh, to make sure that you're being successful. I mean, because it's not going to be that one guy. You have to make sure if you're the third-string corner, you need to make sure you're guarding your man because the ball could be coming there. How can this defense, with the the crutch of them throwing the football consistently, right? If you stop the run, they're going to be throwing the ball just like last week. How does it change, especially with the quarterback that can get out of the pocket, where Ben Bryant really doesn't, how can that affect this defense, especially the cornerbacks? Yeah, I mean, it puts more pressure on them, obviously. If, if, if it's, you know, you kind of shut down the run and you're, you know, focusing now more on a, on a throw-first type style of offense, absolutely it puts more pressure on the corners. It puts more pressure on your uh, secondary um, to get the job done and to stop a, a pretty good quarterback. I mean, um, that's what you're looking at here. It's it's not this Memphis of old where, you know, they always had a decent quarterback and then it was always kind of a run first offense under Mike Norvell. I mean, we've seen the, you know, running backs that Memphis has put into the NFL, right? Tony Pollard, 
Daryl Henderson. I mean, Daryl Henderson was always a threat against UCF within the last several years. You know, uh, all those guys. Um, Antonio Gibson went to Memphis. So they've put a lot of, you know, in, in years past, they've put a lot of um, young, good running backs into the NFL. It's not that style of offense anymore. I mean, they have a good running back by committee and they have a good, again, you see the committee going through uh, the wide receivers as well. But that's almost more dangerous. I mean, it's not a one, they're not a one dimensional team anymore where you shut down the run, you shut down their best running back, and there goes half their offense. No, they got the receivers, they got a good quarterback, they got good running backs, and they can absolutely, even if you shut down that run, it's still going to put pressure on your secondary to get the job done against a good throwing quarterback, a good, accurate throwing quarterback. And that's, again, very similar to Ben Bryant, a little bit more athletic, a little bit more able to get out of the pocket and scramble, like you said. Um, use his feet a little bit more than Ben Bryant, but they have very similar stats, very similar yeah. stats. And I thought, and I thought Ben Bryant had actually a pretty decent game last, last week, despite, um, how much Getting UCF killed. might've done. Yeah. I mean, he still, yeah. no, he did. He had a good game. I mean, he had a decent game. Yeah. yeah. By, with getting killed. I mean, I, I swear like yeah. the D line was incredible. Um, D line's going to feast this week because Memphis, I was is just going to mention sacks allowed. I yeah. Mean, and that's if you're looking for the X factor of this game, there it is right there. You have a great defensive line this season. You got to put as much pressure on the quarterback as you can. And if you that can, offense, then uh, then that offensive have... line is, yeah. And that offensive line is Swiss cheese. So you got to cut through it. Cut through it. And then your corners, you know, aren't going to have to do much work because they're getting to the quarterback and quarterback doesn't have time. See, there you go. We just <laughs> cut this podcast. We could have cut that podcast in 30 minutes. <laughs> Jeez, Louise, man. Listen, guys, I apologize. I'm trying to make some some good Memphis notes here. Um, all right, let's talk about um, predictions. Line on bet online is uh, minus three and a half for UCF. So UCF's the favorite, the road favorite. Um, this line has kind of gone down. We were favored by, I think, like six and a half, seven, and it's gone down now three and a half, which I think is more, I'm going to be honest, I think it's probably more logical here. Um, I'm not going to say UCF's going to blow Memphis out. We're not doing that. Um, we need to see that UCF can play on the road. This is, again, a perfect test, a road test, before you have to go on the road to Tulane, which we don't want to get too excited for that, but we are excited. It's in New Orleans, you know, we're we, we going to – I'm thinking about – I might go up. I'm like – I'm like, if we oh, win, I'm like – Breaking I news. I, I know. I'm like – might go up, show some like that's a that's another top twenty five win, man. Okay, I don't want to get ahead of myself. See, I'm getting ahead of myself. I can't do that. Stop <laughs> don't it. Don't do it to yourself. I'm doing it. Okay. Um, Rob, minus three and a half. We've been pretty good with predictions. I mean, we've been pretty solid. I did you did you know my my score prediction last week? Uh, I remember we all had similar score lines for Cincinnati. You had, I remember you said it could possibly be like even under 20. You were saying like 18. I forget what you said. You said like 20 My to like score, six, 20 to 14 or something it, like that. I brought it up on the pod because I was so close. I, I said 24 to 20. That's what it was, 24 it was to 25 20. to 21. I there was like, wow. and I said, I couldn't foresee the safety. But we've been pretty good <laughs> with, our, with our sports betting picks this week. Um, minus three and a half away. At Memphis, give me your – how do you see this game going and how do you view it for the Knights this weekend? 
Yeah, I think I'd agree with you. If your official prediction is uh, not going to be a blowout, I don't think this is going to be a blowout. Not because I don't think UCF will put up points, uh, but because I think Memphis keeps it close because they do have a good offense. Um, I'm not expecting ECU type numbers, so I'm going to say I'm going to say they cover the spread, and I'm going to say UCF wins 35-24. I think UCF puts up over 30 because Memphis's defense is not good. And UCF's offense, at least what we saw against Cincinnati, has found some sort of rhythm. You don't fumble twice in the red zone, you're up a couple touchdowns on Cincinnati, and that game's not doesn't come down to the final drive. I mean, that's yeah. it's UCF had the game in their hand pretty much the entire time. Um, so if you come out with that style of offense, whether it's Mikey or JRP, if you come out with that same drive mentality that they had, um, I can absolutely see UCF putting up over 30 on this Memphis defense. So I'm, I'm going to say 35-24. I think Memphis puts up a few touchdowns. They find the red zone. They're a little bit dangerous in the red zone. I think they, they get UCF. Again, we talked about it all season long. They're going to get UCF's defense to bend but not break. It's a good prediction, Rob. I'm um, Here's how I foresee the game going. And I, I want to clip this because I, I think I've got this game pretty locked on to what is probably going to happen. I think you're not going to see much of a difference from Cincy with this rushing defense. Now, Cincy's rushing defense, like again, they were uh, UCF's game plan probably shouldn't have worked with what Cincy was ranked defensively, but it did. Their rushing defense is 49th in the country. They're rushing like so. I think Gus is going to look at that and say, "Listen, we're going to rush the football." We rushed it all over him last year. And I mean, Bowser had 111 yards on the ground. Richardson had 47 yards on six carries. O'Keefe had 41 yards. I think you're going to get a big dose of O'Keefe. I think O'Keefe's really going to show out this game. I mean, he showed out last year, um, made him look silly. So I think UCF is going to neutralize the time of possession like they did against Cincy, cut down the clock, because the thought process, if, if you score too quick, I mean, Memphis has shown that they can produce points at any given time. They lost to 10 by 10 to Tulane. So I'm going to say 33 to 20. That's my kind of, I do think it's a little bit bigger, but I don't, I think it'll be close for most of the game. I think UCF will probably close it out in the last, in the, you know, the fourth quarter. Um, I think it's probably like a, 24 to 17 ball game going into the fourth and then UCF puts up some points late uh to kind of seal it then should I go 34 20 trying to think oh I'm gonna go 34 20 34 20 because I want to give myself I'm, I'm trying to think if it's 24 to 17 going into the fourth then it's a touchdown and a field goal okay I'm gonna go 34 20 that could really do a number on me, but, um, but yeah, I think that's what I'm gonna go with. So I do think we, they both we they cover the spread. Um, I I don't know what the first half stats. This first half, let me look that up. I want to look at the first half, um, the first half number because I actually would probably like the first half. Um, oh, there's a lot on here. You know, you need to go on Bet Online, Rob, because there's some. Uh, I know we use it, but they've got some good um, prop bets. Um, will there be an overtime? It's plus eight hundred mm, free. No, I don't 
I mean, I I don't know. Cincinnati's I don't think there will to, be. But. Cincinnati went to a couple overtimes. Um, I I don't know what the first. I'm just gonna give it up because I can't even find it. But I said Cincinnati. Um, I'm in Memphis. My bad. It's okay. Listen, it's Memphis has gone to a few here. overtimes this season. Yeah. Um. I yeah. I'm gonna say 34. 34-20, that's mine. Rob's 35-24, UCF dub. Listen, it's a huge game. Every game is a huge game. I At mean, point, the next yep. two weeks next two weeks are a little scary. I mean, Tulane's the biggest game on your schedule, and that's why you can't you can't sleep on Memphis. We're not doing this again. I can't, I can't, my heart can't take. <laughs> my heart can't take it. I can't go in on Saturday thinking, oh, Tulane's next week. No college game day talk. None. We're not talking about college game day because there is a possibility, but we're not talking about it. We're not talking about that. All right. We are focused on Memphis. Memphis. Barbecue's great. Their barbecue's outstanding. Outstanding. Mm-hmm. All right. No disrespect to Memphis. All right. We're not making that mistake again. Um, all right. That's pretty much it. Rob, got anything to say before hopefully a UCF blowout uh, against Memphis? Go Knights. Charge on. Great way to end it, Rob. Wow. Absolutely. Great way to end it. Thank you all. God, this was kind of a rough pod. We apologize, guys. I think we, we brought some great stats to you, though. So, you know, I give it like a 7 out of 10. A, a solid 7. A solid C. Um, we'll be better. <laughs> I'll be better. We, we promise. God, we had so many great pods in a row. It was bound to go off the rails at one point. <laughs> Um, that's why we need Nick. Geez. I know. No, don't. I'm not saying that. Absolutely not. <laughs> he already has a big head. That's not going to help. Thank you so much for tuning in to Charge On. We really appreciate all the support. You guys have been killing it recently. It's it's amazing, amazing to see big guests coming up. We've got some great guests lined up for our preview shows over the next couple weeks. Um, as UCF kind of hits that final stretch and. See what this team can do. I mean, the sky is the limit for the Gus bus going forward. As always, I'm your host, Sean Green. This has been Charge On, presented by Bet Online. We will see you on Monday. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.